Welcome to the Expat Rewind. My name is Stephanie and I will be your host in this experience. What we're doing in this podcast is reaching back into the first year of an expat or geopath's existence into something they put online, whether it was via a blog, Facebook, Instagram, any sort of social media feed, or an email that they sent to a group of people that they knew. And we're going to reach back into that post where they told the world about their experience as an expat at Geopat. And then the expat at Geopat will reflect on what they're, what they think of, what they wrote, what they've learned since then, and anything else that comes up as they're reading that online experience that they posted all those years ago. I'm very happy to have Shannon on this episode. We've split this episode into two. There'll be one this week and one in a couple of weeks as well, because we just could not stop talking about her experiences in Shanghai. And yes, my experiences too. In this episode, we talk about why she started her blog all those years ago, why she kind of tapered off of blogging, what to do with your stuff when you move overseas, the honking that used to exist in Shanghai, the act of negotiating and how to maneuver that when you first move to a place, laundry, fapios, banking, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy Shannon's calm and practical way of pushing through the hard parts of that first year in a new country. So let's take a listen to what Shannon has to say. Hi, my name is Shannon Martin, and I'm from the U.S. originally, and I've lived in Shanghai, China for almost six years now. And this is from my blog, To Who Travel, and it was written shortly after getting to China in 2012. So it's called The Ever-Present Blank of China. One, little red stamp or official chop. The little red stamp marks all papers as legitimate and is highly prized. Show someone your official paperwork with the chop and you get happy, admiring responses. Paperwork and bureaucracy reign supreme, and there are many careers built on protecting and managing the official company, agency, etc. stamp. The significance is such that the stamp forger was a lifesaver in one story I read about from the Cultural Revolution. It's one thing to forge papers to save a loved one, but without that chop skillfully crafted, it would be a failure. I most enjoy listening to the loud echo of the chop reverberating through the speaker from behind the glass as it's proudly slammed down on every paper at the bank. 2. Bikes Most vehicular traffic is of the two-wheeled variety. While cars have increased exponentially in the last several years in China, bikes and scooters still rule. Cities like Shanghai limit car traffic. I cannot begin to imagine the noise, congestion, and air quality if they didn't. So you mainly see taxis, buses, and every form of two-wheeled or sometimes three-wheeled carts. Electric bikes are quite popular, whizzing by you without lights at night. Beware. Bicycles, motorcycles, and scooters whiz by with babies in seats on the back, or more often simply sitting, hugging the lap of a parent. A bike cart can carry furniture, an entire city block's laundry, or a hundred coolers. Bikes and even scooters are very reasonably priced, and I thought about getting one, but I don't think I'm daring enough, so sticking to walking for now. Sometimes I even put headphones on and have yet to get hit. Three, commerce. The economic reform of the last many years here has taken hold with a pent-up vengeance. Ads blanket the city from subway stops and constantly revolving elevator ads to LED built into the sides of skyscrapers. And a trip to our local e-mart is an assault on the senses with products everywhere and numerous employees pitching the latest special from a headset mic. A trip to the fake market or any area with street stalls is an exercise in resistance. Don't look too closely or point at anything unless you really want to start the bargaining process. 
Just about everything that exists is for sale here, depending on what you want to pay. I've read some articles recently commenting on the Chinese thriftiness that remains, but retailers are pinning hopes on the younger generation taking on more Western spending habits and being drawn into high-prestige items. I find that a shame, but I guess it's good for all the high-end stores around here, which are most often completely empty. I prefer the thriftiness and addictive thrill of bargaining. I thought I would hate it, but I must admit there's a certain feeling of winning that makes shopping much more exciting. Of course, I'm probably not the one who's winning. There's just a constant industriousness, uh, busyness, here, the pulse of so many people in commerce. There are an overwhelming number of people working everywhere. On a trip to a local Watson's, like CVS or Walgreens in the U.S., but without the pharmacy, uh, there are at least seven saleswomen working in a tiny store stationed at their particular areas. Uh-oh, lingered too long, a little too long at the lotion display. Time for a sales pitch and demo. Number four, noise. Okay, this is one of those instances where my post should perhaps substitute Shanghai for China. I am sure there are peaceful rural villages with little noise, but that seems as foreign to me as China might if you're sitting on the other side of the world. There are brief moments of quiet. Generally, this is a pretty early city, by which I mean that at night things shut down fairly early, dinner is eaten before 8, etc. Of course, there are nightclubs and people that hang out late, but most of the peaceful times here are at night. There's even a brief period from about 12 to 4 where only intermittent horns are blowing, but I can still hear one or two if I don't have my earplugs firmly embedded. I read an article with mouth hanging open that said the police were cracking down on noise by doing things like finding elderly people who dance and sing at the subway stops and parks. What? There's a good idea. Stop the healthy behavior and something that always makes me smile and let the horns keep blaring. But good luck doing anything about those horns. I have found a couple really odd quiet spots. One metro stop, which for some reason is often empty, and the high-end malls and stores. This is not a good thing, generally, in Chinese thinking, where Renau, essentially translating to hot and noisy, is sought out. The concept doesn't exactly translate literally, but the idea is that something bustling, and often hot and noisy, chaotic to maybe my Western view, equates to exciting and desired. Number five, laundry. These pictures only begin to show the constant presence of laundry in our daily lives. This is the pictorial area of the blog, so you have to picture it in your mind. And last but not least, number six, cute. This is a dangerous one for me, as every day is an act of willpower not to buy the next adorable tchotchke. Everywhere you look, you find some adorable panda, pig, bunny, hello kitty, something. Slippers, wallets, pajamas, hats, etc. And I have in my blog a picture of a panda hat and gloves that I wear around. It was actually a gift, so not showing my lack of resistance. I also could not resist the cartoon pig coffee mug, which makes me smile every morning, and the bunny pajamas, which in shopping in China double as shopping wear. Yes, adorable people of all ages, but mainly the older generation and sometimes young adult teenage girls wear their PJs out and about for all sorts of activities. And these are no yoga pants or sweatsuits, but full-on old-school or fluffy pajamas. So far, my favorites have been the fully quilted versions and the man in plaid pink silk. Even the dogs get in on the action with their little outfits and shoes to match. Thank you, Janet. I can relate so much to that post. It's ridiculous. Now, this was in 2012. Yes. How far into moving here did you write that particular post? Just, I think, a couple months because I remember there was a Christmas post after that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. just very, very shortly, one of the first few posts. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, after being here long enough to have uh, noticed a lot of these things, but I'd say, yeah, two to three months probably. Was that the first time you had written about a lot of those yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I wrote another post about daily life, which covers some of this, which overlaps a little bit, and I mm -hmm. think it came afterwards. So, yeah. 
it's almost identical in so many ways to so much of the things that hit me when I first moved to Taiwan in 2003. <laughs> it was like, oh, there's this and this and this and this and this, and it all happens within the first six months. And it's yeah. like, oh, that's normal now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah now I, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because, yeah, that's daily life. After having read that, what is the thing that sticks out as the most different to your current day Shanghai existence? Ah, gosh. Um, a, a lot of it still exists, but little things about it have changed. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I did notice the other day is that laundry is not as pervasive mm -hmm. anymore. I know they've done, like, when there's been things going on, mm -hmm. they've made people take it down. Mm -hmm. But I also live, I lived in the old city, and mm -hmm. I live more in the center of town now. And mm -hmm. not it's not quite as residential. There are some lanes around mm -hmm. where the laundry would be more internal. So I don't see it much. But the one thing that really strikes me most probably is about the chop. It still exists. The Fapio, it's still very important. But yeah. now so much more is being done electronically. So even the official Fapio, which for those not in China is the official type of receipt mm -hmm. you get. It's printed out on the old school printer and it has the red stamp. Uh, there are a lot of places now that are doing electronic ones. So I take DD. Yeah, Whoa. and DD sends it electronically for you type in your company name and stuff in it. And I think Waga. So some of the more fast, casual kind right, of places right, right. that don't, I guess, have the time or the equipment to, yeah, they send them. So it's such a big part of life, that mm -hmm. paperwork and bureaucracy, but I think it's changing so rapidly. But yet, they want to keep something of that officialness in. So it's like, what's the balance right. there and when will it change? Right, right. And, it's yeah. not going away. It's right. just changing work. Yeah, and you still need to save all your papers always. <laughs> you know, so it's, which is funny because you don't even see paper in daily life at all. We don't yeah. use any form of, you know, paper or even yeah. plastic payment anymore. But yet, if you have to do things with official bodies, mm -hmm. you better have every paper since you came to China. Yeah. So. Do people, because when I moved to Taiwan in 2003, I had to get a chop and everybody had a chop and they wouldn't accept signatures for anything. You had to have your mm -hmm. chop with you whenever you did anything official. Do people use chops in China? I don't think people do, only okay. organizations. Oh, so like the company okay. has one and the, all that kind of stuff. But then, oh, which okay. is also funny about signatures because I have a very messy signature. Yeah. And a lot of times in the West or in the US, yeah. people would kind of eye me funny or I've even had it sort of rejected a couple times, even though it matches <laughs> with my, but here, because yeah. they're doing characters and we're doing, you know, our, you know, Western, yeah. our Roman alphabet, they don't, it doesn't. It, they don't hesitate, and actually, my husband does has been known to sign receipts at restaurants and stuff with smiley faces and like, you know, Mickey Mouse and all that kind of stuff. And they they look at it and just laugh. I mean, they actually do see it, and they don't they don't reject it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I did notice people doing that last time I was in the U.S. I noticed you know on those electronic. Um, Payment pad. They were like mm. an iPad kind of thing that mm. people would pay with. I don't even know what they were called. But I did notice some people were putting in smiley faces and different <laughs> facial features instead of their official signature. Okay. So I wonder if that's turned into a thing yeah. in more than one place. I don't know. Like, I saw people doing it in a coffee shop in front of me and went, oh, that's not a signature. And then, well, does it matter? It's coming out of their account. Yeah, if it's debit or something. And that's why I think here it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, that's a whole other thing about... U.S. and its weird payment <laughs> methods. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because we're holding on to the signature like they're holding on to the Fapio kind of, I guess. Yeah, I mean, U.S. is one of yeah. the few places that doesn't do, like, chip and pin. It's still a whole 100%, so yeah. it's very insecure still. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, here, I mean, it's most for the most part when you get a debit card, the mm -hmm. bank here doesn't even have a name on it. Yeah. It's just a long, long string of numbers. So that was it's true. Yeah. yeah. That, that was another interesting experience. My husband lost his when he first got here and Oof. went back. Yeah. went back to, and when they issued it to him, he got his name on it mm -hmm. and people are always like, 
Ooh. When we used to use debit cards, they used to be really impressed. Like, he must be a VIP. Yeah. To have his name on the card. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Left my ATM card in an ATM yeah. machine in Hangzhou and came back to Shanghai and realized it. Mm-hmm. Called the bank and tried to have them send it up here. And they're like, we can't touch it. Somebody will take it out of the machine and tear it up. But that's the, uh. that's legally, that's what we're able to do. Went to the bank in Shanghai. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get you a new one. It'll take about 10 business days. And I'm like, okay, I just gotten paid like two days before. Yes, yeah. It's like, okay, so I need to get this amount of money out because I can't access my money after this. And they're like, oh, no, we've already closed Frozen, your account. Yeah, it's, it's really you can get more deposits, but you can't take anything yes, out. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's a bit. Like, could you have told me that before we just froze my account? Yeah, I'm surprised it took 10 days. Was it a holiday or well, at, when they told me that part, I basically imploded on them okay. and was like, what do you expect me to do in Shanghai without yeah. money for 10 days over, which is two weeks, really. right, right. it's two business weeks. And so they actually sped it up and it was only one week. Okay. Because when we had the same thing, when my mm-hmm. husband lost his, it was, it took about that long, but it was national holiday. Yeah. So, I mean, we had a double whammy of oh, just arriving gosh, yeah. and then, you know, having that, I mean, so we just... We wanted to spend money that we had made, yeah. here, but we ended up having to just take money out from our U.S. It's accounts, it's crazy because I'm yeah. sitting there with all of my documentation because I was actually went to the bank to transfer and then get my new card, and I had absolutely every paper that I have in yeah, the world in China. Yeah. yeah, and they were like, "Well, no, you can't get money out of your account. You need your card." Like right. I was non-person to yes, them yeah, without a card. It's amazing. It was, just, it was really crazy. So I'm never, never leaving that thing anyway. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. nope, nope, that's almost as important as my cell phone. Why did you initially start the blog? I started it a couple years before this entry when we first went traveling, I'll say. So we mm-hmm. uh, left home, which was Florida in the U.S., and went, and my husband took a sabbatical, and mm-hmm. I, I started working location independently. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to sort of document stuff for family and friends. Mm-hmm. So looking back now, I was disappointed in myself because I don't do it really at all anymore and I at that time I really documented all the places we went and all my observations and it was really fun looking back at it. When we were talking about setting this up you had mentioned that you documented it in a different way kind of online. Right? Yeah so I mean that's I guess with the advent or more common commonality mm-hmm. of um, social media I you know I always put pictures when we travel mm-hmm. and that's the first thing I do because it's just straight from your mobile phone yeah. it's just easy you're not gonna like sit there with your laptop and blog yeah, yeah. well some people do but um, and so once I've done that I feel like okay people they've seen it they know you know yeah. and I, I don't make much in terms of like verbal observations it's more mm-hmm. just pictures but yeah. I'm like okay it's already up and especially when it was getting to be a lot more of places we traveled and it was very photo heavy blog posts. So it just took, and especially here, it took a lot of time to upload things to our general slow internet. <laughs> <laughs> so it just became, yeah, easier. I, I mainly am just putting photos on Facebook and stuff, but I still, yeah. I still miss it because I like the posts like this that are more mm-hmm. about thoughts and reflections. Mm-hmm. I do, you know, I would like to go back and do more of that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. If it helps at all, Instagram and Twitter have expanded the amount of stuff you can write with your yeah, photos. Yeah, I noticed that recently. I was really addicted to Twitter, and they locked me out twice this year already. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It was probably some sort of privacy breach or what have you. But I ended up using Instagram, and people write entire like poems and like five paragraph essays, yeah. and it, it gets long in there. And I was like, oh, ooh, freedom to write more. And I've noticed my <laughs> posts are getting longer. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a intermediary form of expression you might 
Yeah, right. maybe. We'll I see. Don't know. It's not the same as a long form. No, and it's I mean, and the, uh, my main excuse for it, and I don't know if it's an excuse or what, but is that I mean, my my, my main work is blogging mm-hmm. and writing online. So I do a lot of it. And I really believe in the medium, right. <laughs> but you know, it's the first thing that goes by the wayside. So I understand that. Yeah. How long did the blog live on for? I mean, I technically have posted some things. I don't know what the last one was, but I posted mm-hmm. some things in the last probably year or so. So it's mm-hmm. still up. So it's still going, let's say. Okay. <laughs> so you could resurrect it. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> you said you guys moved from Florida to Shanghai. Indirectly. We actually moved from Spain, really. Mm-hmm. But So we took that sabbatical. We first went a few months. Then we went back for a longer trip to Spain. Mm-hmm. And then decided to make the move here while mm-hmm. we were living in Spain. So we took a brief sojourn back to the U.S. My mom was ill, so that was the big, big reason. And then we actually sold all of our stuff in the house. I mean, technically we sold a house and moved from Florida, but we hadn't been living there for almost a year. Right, right. Do you know the podcast Workationing? Yes. Okay. I'm not caught up on it, but I listened to the first. No, there's so so, many. I just discovered them a month ago and I did like 20 within a short period of time and they just but they did something similar where they put stuff in storage and then they went back and just ended up getting rid of it. Yeah, I, I've known a lot of people that have done that. Mm-hmm. And actually talking to a lot of people here, I tell my story and I've quote unquote inspired several yeah. people to go back and sell their stuff. <laughs> I had a friend who had lived, she had been in Hong Kong and Singapore mm-hmm. and she'd been gone for 15 years or something. From the yeah. Like basically her entire adult life from mm-hmm. the US, but she had a storage unit and she was like, there were times when I was younger when it was like between that and like mm-hmm. going out for a dinner. Mm-hmm. And she's like, now, you know, she had advanced enough in her career that she wasn't living paycheck to paycheck. Right, right. But it's sometimes like that was really that price of that thing right. was really holding her back. Wow. And so she went back and sold all of it. And she said she, there were some paintings that she had in mind as the reason she had to keep it. And she went back and she was like, I didn't even really want the, the things that were the whole reason I was mm-hmm. keeping it. So why yeah. do you think we do that? It's so hard to get rid of everything mm-hmm. for people. I think it's really Tough. And I think for us, that was why, and the same as what the workation and gals did, I think we, we went one time and mm-hmm. we, we rented our place both times that we went. Mm-hmm. So we had, we downsized a lot mm-hmm. and we basically moved things into just a couple closets. I mean, we had four bedrooms. We're just a couple. We don't have kids. So I had stuff in like six closets. I had yep. way too much stuff. So we downsized a lot. And then I was really like on board with that and more and more as we did it. But my husband in particular, I think there were some like comfort things. Like he loved his big comfy chair and his big TV. Mm-hmm. First place we stayed in Spain, it had no couch at all. Mm-hmm. We basically had a dining room and beds. Was yeah. Like, and it had this tiny old like black and white 10 inch TV <laughs> and we had the greatest time of our lives. Yeah. And he was like, I didn't miss having a big screen TV and sitting in my chair at all. <laughs> so it's doing it all at once mm-hmm. when you've never like downsized before can be quite, you know, oh, traumatic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> I actually moved across the US from New- from Pennsylvania to California in my early twenties and I had three gigantic boxes, like we're talking like four feet tall kind mm-hmm. of boxes worth of stuff that I just <laughs> put in there. Had a friend hold and then I had two suitcases that I brought with me. And by the time she sent the boxes to me within like, I think six or seven months, I opened them up and there were maybe two things mm-hmm. that I wanted. And the rest of it, I'm like, why did I pack this? Yeah. And so I, I slowly over the years, like got rid of that stuff. And by the time I started living overseas, I didn't have much anymore because I had already done that yeah. big transition. But yeah, it's, it's hard to get rid of all of it at once. Yeah. We get attached to our stuff. Even just staying in a place for like two or three years, I noticed that we start to accumulate oh, 
Yes. More. I have accumulated yeah. way too much. And we're thinking of <laughs> moving on, you know, in the near future. Yeah. And I, I started, I even went through just bags of stuff I saved from trips and mm-hmm. little flyers and yeah. different things. And I, took, I basically took pictures of yeah. a couple of things and I enjoyed like the moments mm-hmm. of just looking through them. And that's kind of why I saved them because I never intend to keep them forever. Right. But I went through and I was like, I remember this trip. I remember that trip. But you can really do that all with photos. And then I yeah. tossed it all on. So yeah, I've got exactly. to start that process soon. But it's so easy to accumulate. Do you have one thing that you'll never, ever throw out? Hmm. I, for some reason, keep ID cards. And I oh. have a little bag of all of my library cards and driver's okay. licenses and, and national ID cards and, like, all of those things from okay. the U.S. and from other countries. I know I could take pictures of them. They're just pictures. Yeah. They're just plastic cards. But for some reason, that's always my carry-on. It's never even in the suitcase because okay. I don't want it to get lost. At least it's small. It is small, but it's getting bigger with each country. <laughs> I don't really think I have anything like that. Um, I have a couple things of jewelry and mm-hmm. like an engagement ring and some things for my mom. So a couple of those things. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I always love to have books, but I have them on a Kindle now. So I mean, yeah. the other thing would be electronic stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but that's like, so it's a hard drive and that's the stuff I, right. you know, all my records and all that. So really that's, if I could, I could be fine. Yeah. Just that and my couple of pieces of jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> So why did you pick this entry out of all the ones that you had? There was this and another one about daily life of China that I thought mm-hmm. encapsulated a lot of it and also encapsulated the, like, the as you mentioned, the observations you have, especially, you know, after a short mm-hmm. time of being somewhere and you, you just notice these certain things that you see all the time or that, you know, are just more ubiquitous in daily life than maybe what you expected or what you've experienced in the past. And when I looked back on it, I was like, wow, it's all, things have changed, but it, there's nothing in it that's totally gone mm-hmm. in the years I've been here. So, Which is amazing considering how fast things do change here. Yeah, it's just the form has changed. So mm-hmm. like we talked about the little red stamp and then bikes. I talked about buying a mm-hmm. bike here. Well, I, of course, I never bought a bike. And it, within a couple of years, they had... Mobike and Ofo, which are bike sharing systems, mm-hmm. which are everywhere. And so I'm glad I didn't have a bike to lug around because I just do that. And that has changed mm-hmm. because the way it looks when you walk around Shanghai would be so different than what it was then. So incredibly different. Now, uniform looking bikes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So back then, this isn't that long ago. This is 2012 yeah. that you're talking about. So there, there were obviously none of the shared bikes, but there were other people's bikes like yeah people bikes. just had their private a lot of private bikes a lot of the old ones that you see yeah, just yeah, locked yeah. Up. um so bikes and those bike carts which mm-hmm. still are around a lot the scooters I, I think that i mean i thought the scooters were bad then or mm-hmm. pervasive but i mean the delivery food scooters mm-hmm. it's it's exponentially <laughs> so i i would love to put myself back there and yeah. go wait a minute these scooters aren't so bad because now you just can't walk on the sidewalk without uh-uh. almost getting mowed down Mm-mm. especially if it's lunchtime or so that's really Yeah, we lived in Nanjing eight years ago, and the electric scooters were super popular, and you couldn't hear them. You just couldn't hear them. And they were on the sidewalk, and they didn't care what was in front of them. So you really had to have like the Spidey sense, Mm -hmm. the Spider-Man sense of somebody's behind me. I better move before they literally just crash into me, because it was so 
quiet. And I was like, okay, touche for making quiet transportation. But I think we need to put some noise back in it. Yeah. (laughs) Because if you're going to ride on the sidewalk with pedestrians, we need to know you're coming. (laughs) And that's, they're the ones that still are able to get away with honking. Mm Because I did reference in here, oh, I referenced in here about the noise and the Mm -hmm. honking. Yeah. And it's funny because I said they'll never be able to do anything about the horns. Mm And I, I underestimated China yeah. because they did put a law into place and they started fining people mm-hmm. like a serious fine. And that's always what it takes, like take, making the fine high enough. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with smoking. They yep. tried it once, but they weren't fining people enough. Yeah. And then when they finally and made the businesses have a fine too. Um, so now the car horns are really gone and you don't realize it until you think back how it used yeah. to be constant. Where I live is extremely busy. It's mm-hmm. a very busy road. Still hear a lot of horns because it's a scooter passageway, mm-hmm. but um, it, only the scooters get away with it now. So wow. it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot less noisy. I'm trying to think back horns. to Nanjing. I don't remember car horns, but we had been in Vietnam slightly before that. So that I don't think it even would have registered for me right. because it's <laughs> just like a constant people have their finger on the horn at all times right. kind of sound. So I don't know that it would have registered. Just in 2012, people were using their car horns that All much. the time. And I remember I read, I think it was a Peter Hessler book that mm-hmm. talks about it. Um, and my husband and I were having the discussion and he was just like, oh, these horns. And I said, you know, how he describes it is that it's it's, it's a culture of like walking and biking where you kind of, you know, might yell out to someone mm-hmm. or use verbal cues, yeah. right? So they're using the horn that mm-hmm. way. It's like, hey, I'm coming. And you do hear that mm-hmm. when people use it. It's like, hey, I'm coming. It's not mm-hmm. road rage. Like sometimes you would have no. this where it's like, get out of my way. It's just, here I come. Like yep. scooters do. Yeah. And but it's amazing that they were able to take that way and just now it's just the scooters but i think there's more the delivery guy scooters particularly and they're the ones that like they're always in a rush so they're always beeping at everybody on the sidewalk so it's still kind of still noisy i have (laughs) to say i'd rather have them beep than have the electronic ones that didn't make any sense yeah i had to pick between the two which is a false choice but there it is it's true yeah and and i did i think i said in here something like i walk and i sometimes dare to walk with headphones and uh (laughs) and i still do that and but i do get hit once by a scooter yep me too so (laughs) with one of the silent electronic yes yeah i had one mine was coming out of a lane and i was on the sidewalk and Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah yeah i was going straight he was turning you mentioned something about winning with shopping can you dive into that somewhere? <laughs> negotiating. So, oh, yeah, so negotiating. it wasn't just purchasing something or getting No, sales. negotiating. And um, I think, and also it probably comes into play a little bit with things where you ask a price. And there's always, I've heard this thing here called, people will say, Laowai tax. Mm-hmm. And that means like as a foreigner, you'll pay sure. more. So I, another yeah. way that I would say the winning comes into place mm-hmm. is like if I do get a, just a general good deal or just like go somewhere where the price is mm-hmm. decent. Yeah. You know, I'm always so proud. Or like our apartment rental. And of course here it's not, there's nothing wrong with asking someone what mm-hmm. they pay. So people... Chinese friends always ask, like, what do you pay? And whenever they're like, oh, that's pretty good. Or my gym contract. Yeah. These are negotiations, I guess, because they're all negotiable. Um, But I'll tell somebody, so what do you think is the, you know, I paid this much for this many months. And if if they're like, oh, that's actually better than what I paid, then you feel proud. Yeah. And negotiating, yeah, especially not too long after I got here going to like the fake marketplaces or the little street vendors and stuff. I, I, I got a thrill out of it. I mm-hmm. to, and other people are like, I absolutely hate it. And I was like, I know, but you know, there's something that I'm thriving on it for some reason. Cause I'm not a big fan of shopping in general. So it made it kind yep. of a game. <laughs> 
Me too. I'd rather do a million other things other than go shopping mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah. No, that's not true. Food and stationery are probably the two exceptions to yeah. that. For me, food and books. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I hate shopping. So, yeah. But bartering does have its thing, especially when you know you're going to a place where it's all fluid. Right. Right. Then it's sort of like this. Let's see what I can do. And the walk away. Yes. You yes, know, the walk away is just, once you get that down, it's like. I am truly a global citizen now. <laughs> My favorite technique used to be mm-hmm. having an actual amount of cash yeah. um, for something. Like, I only want to pay 100 Having it and being like, well, I can't go to up to 120 because I only have this. Now it's completely ruined mm-hmm. because they all, every single place has a QR code for you to pay with Alipay and WeChat. Now, you could pretend that you're just from America and you're visiting yeah. and you don't have that, I guess, but I'm yeah. like not smart enough to do that lately. <laughs> I still try to, I still am like, no, I'm just not going to pay more. And they used to try to, here, you can, I can take you to the ATM. So mm-hmm. they always were trying to find a way, but I'd be like, oh, no, geez. this is the amount I have and that's what's getting spent. And and knowing me, if I would sit there and say, oh, I don't have a phone, I don't have a phone, it would go off as I'm yes, paying they, them yeah. with the money. And then and you I'd open like, it up and then see the app that you said you didn't have. Exactly. So usually don't, don't worry about that part. But yeah, no. that, that was one of my techniques that's kind of <laughs> gone by the wayside because I don't know if you've seen this but even the guys on the street that are asking for money they mm-hmm. have a QR code mm-hmm. so yep. you don't even need change nope. to give them anymore you can yeah. just scan them and give them a donation <laughs> everybody everybody I love the I, and I've seen this in some YouTube videos too people doing stuff from Shanghai is there's one coffee shop in the French concession that has no cash yes just outside and everybody always puts that in their videos and I'm like yep but it's not just that one place, but there's definitely places that are just like, don't even bother. Yeah. You're just going to go digital. Yeah. I'm like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, track my Unless purchases. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. And this is why we carry battery packs. Right. Which I resisted for the first year back, but it just, there's only so many plugs in the world. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Again, I welcome and encourage guests on this podcast. So please do contact me if you're if you have a first year experience that you'd like to read and reflect on in your current day state. You don't have to currently still be living in the same place. There does need to be some time distance between when you experienced that country and that ex- first year experience and where you are now. It doesn't need to be as long as my my 13 or 14 years is from this experience, but there does need to be some time after the first year ended. Anyway, contact me for more details. I would love to hash that out with you and have you be a guest on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Expat Rewind. More coming your way soon.